right, my name is Duena Gorley. Um, we've been here at uh, Grace Meadows for a little over a year now. Um, serve here on the worship team, and my husband serves in the back here. Um, the scripture today is 2 Corinthians 4:18. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary and what is unseen is eternal. Thank you, Duena. You guys doing okay? Good, good. Hey, my name is Dallas. Yes, it is Dallas. Um, I uh, yesterday made a big mistake, it looks like. <laughs> so Morgan, Morgan had been telling me for, uh, for months, don't do it, don't do it. And yesterday, finally, she said, fine, just do it. So I did, looked in the mirror, and I said, Morgan, you were right. I'm sorry. <laughs> Shouldn't have done it, so it'll come back. But hey, my name is Dallas. I'd, if I haven't met you, I'd love the opportunity to meet you after the service and get to know you a little bit better. Uh, we are in the second week of our Lifestyle of Biblical Character series where we're really trying to look at that second step in our discipleship to Jesus. Now, we've talked about how discipleship to Jesus is really three steps. It's first is, is follow or learn. So when Jesus says, follow me, he's saying, drop everything and come and learn from me. And then the third step was teach others to do the same. But that second step is what we often miss, I think, in our culture today, which is to become like. So in that time, if you followed a teacher around, you would really want to just do all the things that they did and become just like them. And we talked last week about how if we want to become like, the best way to do that is not simply to just do but to adopt the lifestyle of that which you desire to become like. And so we're talking in a series about rhythms, about routines, about habits, about lifestyles that really help us to become more and more like Jesus. And uh, this week we're going to address Jesus specifically. And if you remember, if you were here last year, which the vast majority of you weren't, praise God that church is growing, but, uh, but we talked about three things about the lifestyle of Jesus last year, and I just want to review those really quick. First, we talked about how Jesus was never in a hurry, and that one really just hit me hard, right? He was never in a hurry. How many stories do you see where Jesus is just passing through? He's on his way somewhere, yet he leaves margin to have conversations with people. He's open. He, he responded well to interruption because he wasn't in a hurry. So we talked about that. And then we also talked about how Jesus had this pattern of seeing a need, being filled with compassion, and then acting. We talked about how, how God sees us, and that's really foundational for us, right? We looked at uh, the story in Genesis 16 with Hagar and how she's really moved when she sees the God who sees her. Right? So, so Jesus is filled with compassion. He sees us. He's filled with compassion for those needs, and then he acts. And then thirdly, we talked about how Jesus lived a life of prayer. He was always praying. He was always withdrawing and praying. And we talked about how, you know, it's really foundational for us to switch our thinking around. A lot of times we say, I don't really have time today to pray because I have so much going on. But really, we ought to say, I have so much going on today that I can't afford not to stop and pray. And this was the mode of Jesus. He, he knew that he needed to withdraw and have one-on-one time with God. Why? Because God is our energy. 
God is our source of energy by which we can do anything at all. And this is what we're going to talk about a lot more today. But in preparation for today, um, if you spend any time around me, you know that I love the show Alone. Does anybody else watch Alone? Okay, a few. About six of you. Okay. And, and the six of you that raised your hand is because I kept going on and on about the show. You're like, finally, okay, I'll watch it. But uh, uh, me and the girls, we, we love to watch this show Alone. And what happens is there's 10 contestants, and they go to these isolated areas completely by themselves. They're all in different remote locations, and they get 10 survival items, and basically whoever is there the longest without tapping out wins. They get $500,000 if they win. Well, we're in the 10th season right now, and there's never been a female winner to this point. So every season, the girls and I are just like rooting hard for the, for the women, like, come on, you got, they've had second many, many times, but, but never won. And this season, there's this uh, lady named Jody, And man, we had high hopes for Jody. She, she's got some survival skills now. And so she gets out there, and she starts working on her shelter right away. All she's got is an, an axe, you know, and she's just making it happen, right? She's building this great log cabin structure. Everything is going well. She's running laps around these men. I mean, she's just getting it done. She's working on the shelter, working on the front door, working on all these different things, and, and she's crushing it. And she's crushing it. Three weeks in, she's so far ahead of everybody else. And then, and we're getting even more excited. We're like, this is it. This is the time. She's going to win this time. Well, three weeks in, she wakes up one morning, and she's lethargic as can be. She got no energy left. And all of a sudden, even though she has this great log cabin constructed, and she's set up so well, she just says, look, I can hardly even move. I got to tap out. And so what she said afterwards, she said, I, I had no energy left. None. The issue was, she wasn't taking enough energy in. So she would go in the mornings and she would pick out some blueberries and she'd graze on those blueberries a little bit and she'd grab some clams and, and then she'd just get to work the rest of the day. But she wasn't getting enough energy in, so she had to tap out. And I was thinking about that. What if she had feasted every day? I mean, think about that. Think about how much she would have gotten done. She would have run circles around those men all day long if she had feasted. And I say that to say, I think a lot of times as Christians, we just graze in the morning, grab a handful of blueberries, and then we're done receiving our energy from God for the day. But God desires for us to feast, man, to feast so that we can now have the energy and the capacity to do the things that he desires for us. Guys, God desires for us to feast, And the only way that we feast is to take some time away from the world and receive our energy from God. That's why Jesus says when Satan tempts him, he's tempted by the enemy. What does he say? He says, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Because God is our energy for our mind, our heart, and our soul. And that's why in Luke 5.16 says this, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Jesus was feasting during this time. 
He was feasting for his mind, his heart, and his soul. He was reorienting his heart, or at least showing an example for us to reorient our hearts towards the things of the Father so that we had the energy and the capacity to do more. And in this context of Luke 5.16, you might think, look, the context here is there's so many people who need healing. And yet Jesus is withdrawing to pray. What is that about? But that's how he does it. And that's how we do it. And that's how good things happen is by getting our energy source from God. He does immeasurably more because he stops and feasts. If our girl Jody had been feasting, she'd have stayed out there 100 days or more. The problem was she wasn't getting enough energy in. And that's why what Duana read for us is so important. 2 Corinthians 4.18. I'll read it again. It says, So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So we fix our eyes on what is unseen because that's where our energy comes from. Now catch those two associations between the seen being temporary... And the unseen being eternal. Another way to say that is the unseen is endless energy. And the seen is simply created matter. Now, energy, now stay with me for a second because this is a little scientific. Energy can create matter. But matter cannot create energy. So think about it this way. A baker can use his mind to create a cake, to bake a cake. But that cake cannot create a baker's mind. And that's the point here. So many of us turn to find energy in areas that were meant to only be matter, created matter. So things like Netflix, that is created matter. Things like social media is created matter. Things like alcohol, that's created matter. And we were never meant to get energy from created matter because it's just not possible to do it. The only place that we can get our energy from is from God. And that's why we've got to take intentional time to withdraw and pray and get our energy from the unseen, to get away from the seen, get away from our phones, get away from everything else so that we can focus on what is unseen. And for Jesus, this was a lifestyle. This was a habit. This is a routine. This is what he did consistently over and over and over withdrawing to pray and getting that energy source from the father and by the way seems like every time he does this thereafter something big happens right and so for us imagine if all of us from here took some intentional time this week to feast not just graze in the morning not just you know God, thank you for this day. Please help me not kill somebody today and then move on, right? But actually took intentional time to just feast on this energy that God is giving us. Imagine what he'll do in our lives moving forward. I'd be willing to bet not a single one of us would come back here next week and say, yeah, you know, I spent an hour with God and I kind of regret it. It just, you know, didn't really change me at all. It it didn't do anything, you know, It, it Trust me, our energy source comes from him. If we take intentional time in the unseen, God will really use that. So, we're going to get into a bunch of examples here 
in a minute of Jesus withdrawing and praying and, and what the context was there and what the application is for us. But I do just want to ask that question before we move forward. When is the last time that you took intentional time to feast in his presence? I mean, to really receive that energy for your souls. When's the last time that you just sat and said, look, I've tried to find energy in all this created matter. I've tried to find it in so many ways, and it's just not fulfilling, so I need to drop everything and take even just an hour of just being in your presence, God. When is the last time you were filled up with this energy that he offers to us? So, let's get into some examples. Uh, Mark chapter 1, verse 35. It says this, it says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. So, context, just before this, Jesus had spent the evening working. He's grinding it out. He was driving out demons all night, healing the sick and driving out demons. And so, for us, the context, is it's not, certainly not driving out demons. I mean, I, by, by the way, if... If you, if you have been driving out demons, call me. Like, we could use you on speed dial. But, but what he's talking about here is when you've worked hard, when you've been grinding it out, that's a good time to sort of refocus on what is unseen because we will naturally drift towards what is seen. And so taking intentional time when it's been fast-paced, when we've been moving, when we've been grinding out, when we've been using a lot of energy, that's a great time for us to go back to that source of energy. To say, okay, I need to withdraw. I need this energy in my life. So when things are fast-paced, to slow down and be silent for a period of time with God. Another example can be found in Luke six twelve. It says, one of those days Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. So now there's a couple things in the context here on either side of this. Right before he goes to pray, he, um, the Pharisees are kind of after him, right? So you could maybe think, well, in times of relational strife or, or conflict, that's a good time to withdraw and pray and get your energy from the Father. Um, and then after this, uh, he calls his 12 apostles. So anytime maybe you're seeking discernment, on next steps or, or clarity or wisdom from God, that's a great time to withdraw and spend some intentional time in the unseen. So maybe you just had a big argument with somebody or maybe you have a big decision coming up. Those are great times to get away from the scene and operate in the unseen and get your energy from Him. Uh, Mark chapter 6 is another example. Jesus takes His disciples to a remote place. John the baptizer had just died. And so there are people coming to them and things, and he takes a boat to a remote place with them and allows them to sort of mourn in the presence of the Father. Just some time with close friends and mourning with God for healing. And this is a great time for us to spend some time with the people closest to us and spend some time in the presence of God and just allow. And and guys, I'm sure for those of you who have experienced loss or traumas and things, you know that that's really the only place you can get any energy to move forward is in the presence of God. And so devoting time into the unseen so that we can get his energy and his comfort during that time. Uh, Mark chapter 9, 2 through 13, he takes Peter, James, and John up to the mountain 
uh, alone, and God speaks there, and Moses and Elijah, Elijah shows up, and, uh, and Jesus, and glory is shown all over Jesus, and it's one of my favorite lines in all the scriptures. Peter says, Rabbi, it's good for us to be here. I mean, what an understatement, right? And he says, uh, you want me to build three shelters so we can stay here and enjoy this a little bit more? This is awesome. I want to be here a little bit longer, right? But right before this, Jesus is now expressing to the disciples what the next steps are for him in his life. That he's going to give up his life. So when you know hard things are about to happen, that certainly is a great time to spend some time out of the, out of the scene and in the unseen with him. Another example can be found in Mark chapter 14. Uh, Peter, Jesus takes Peter, James, and John to the Garden of Gethsemane. Now, they prayed basically all night, or at least Jesus did. The others were sleeping some, but, um, but Jesus is filled with sorrow, and he's, he's really devastated at what he knows is about to happen, right? And while we could never know what Jesus experienced that night, we do know what it is to experience a lot of anguish, a lot of anxiety over things ahead, and that's the great, one of the best times to find our energy source from God the Father. So, there are six things here to know in terms of when Jesus withdrew to pray, and we'll just go through these real quick. One, after an especially draining day or period, uh, two, during relationship conflict. Three, when there are big decisions needing to be made. Uh, four, during times of mourning. Five, times where you think God is trying to reveal something to you. And six, times of distress. So, what do all these things have in common? Well, certainly they are points of tension. But I would take it even a step further. They're really a tipping point for humanity in these big moments, Right? Because what you do in these moments is extremely important. It's vital. It's critical, really. Because if we're going to things like created matter for energy, it just won't work. But we try that over and over again, don't we? So these are moments where we're either going to find our energy in Him or we're going to try to find it somewhere else and fail and wonder, why do I have no capacity? Why do I have no capacity? It's because our capacity comes from him. So when your body needs some rest after a draining period, where do you find that rest? Do you continue grinding it out and grinding it out until you fall? Or do you try to find energy through things like entertainment or do you find it in him? Or when there's relational strife, where do you go? Cuz the only place where the strength to forgive or even reconcile a relationship is through his energy. And that's it. Or when big decisions need to be made, where do you find that discernment? Do those decisions become bigger than they really ought to be because we're so focused on those decisions that we don't see he's so much bigger than that? Or are we drifting towards worldly wisdom because we're not getting our energy from him? Or are we going into the unseen and finding our wisdom and our strength and our energy from him? Or during times of mourning... You know, in times of mourning, like we said before, that's really the only time, the only place we can find energy. I mean, you know that. If you've been through pain, you've been through loss, you know that that's the only place. Things become very clear 
during times of loss where your energy comes from, does it not? Absolutely. Or times where you think God is wanting to reveal something to you. And, and guys, God is a gentleman. I mean, I, I think, I truly believe that until we silence all the other voices going around, I don't think he'll speak. But when, when we silence our hearts in front of him, then I think he speaks in the stillness of our souls. So for us, it's, it's up to us to really say, let's get all these other things out of the way so that I can hear from God's voice. And then during times of distress, where do you go? Do you give in to hopelessness because of the situation or are you able to say, God, your will be done? And I think the only way to ever be able to say, God, your will be done, is whenever we're so focused in the unseen, when we're feasting on him in the unseen. That's the only way we can really truly say your will be done is when we feast. Now, just imagine. I know I said this before, but just imagine if all of us did this this week. And, and there's no real like blueprint like you need to do this at this time for this amount, you know. But if we just took an hour this week to do this, imagine how much our souls would have energy <laughs> And not just our energy, but also to be able to extend that energy out into our community and what God can do with that. Man, I think God could do immeasurably more than we can even ask or imagine. But I think it starts with us spending time with Him and feasting on Him. Now, I'd love to spend a little bit of time talking about specifically what this could look like. Um, And first, you should know that you don't really have to say anything when you're with him. You know, I think so many times I'm like, I don't know what to say, so I'm, not just, I'm just not going to spend any time with him. But think about like an old couple who they're out on their front porch and they're in their rocking chairs and they just watch the sun go down and they don't really say anything at all. I mean, don't you think that, that God, if we haven't especially spent time with him recently, I mean, don't you think that God would just love for us to just be in his presence Right? I mean, think about if you've ever had a kid that you've cared about and they just haven't really spent much time with you and all of a sudden they're willing to spend extended time with you, you don't care what you do. You're just happy that they're there. And I think that's how God is because we have a good father. And in fact, Jesus gives us good precedent for this when he talks about how to pray. He says, don't go babbling on like the pagans do. He says, what? If you don't have something to say, just be. Just be with him. But when you do have something to say, he says to pray essentially like this. And I love the, the P-R-A-Y method. The first one is praise. So when you take some intentional time to withdraw and pray and feast on this energy that he gives us, we can dwell in praise and appreciation for him. Psalm 46.10 says this. It says, be still and know that I am God. So spend some time letting your soul be still in your mind to know that he is God, that he is above everything, to praise his power, his authority, his kindness, and his love during this time. And then the R is repent. Jesus prays, your kingdom come, your will be done. And now for us, that would mean realigning ourselves with him, realigning our thinking with God's thinking. Another way to say it is, God, have it totally the way that you desire it in my life, And that's exactly the way that it ought to be. To come before him and say, God, I I really desire whatever it is that you want. Your will be done. 
And then the A is ask. Tell God what concerns you, no matter how small it might seem. Because if you think about it, none of our concerns, no matter how big they are or anything, compared to the size of God. And so Philippians 4, 6, it says this, make your requests be known to God. This might be a great time to make a worry list. Make a list of, of, of desires of your heart and to give those over to him and to either say, is this something that should be a desire? And if it is, then God, let me give those things to you. And if it's not, let me give those things to you as well. And then the why is yield. Say, God, after spending some time praising your name, repenting and bringing my request to you, I've, I've rewired my thinking to the point where I really do just want whatever it is that you have next in my life. I mean, God, it's all yours. And now I, I want to realign myself. Remember last week we talked about repentance. is the process of trading our desires, taking the top spot, and agape love reigning supreme over our lives. So for us to yield is to say, God, I, I yield those desires and I just, whatever you have next for me, uh, I just want. I just want agape love to reign over my life. How can I ditch my desires today in, in favor of agape love ruling over me more deeply. So we have praise, we have repent, we have ask, and we have yield. And again, this is just, this is just me talking. <laughs> I mean, this isn't the way it has to be. God just wants to be with you. God just wants to be with you. Take some intentional time this week, uninterrupted, to feast in His presence. Uh, here in a second, we're going to enter into a time of communion, but I do want to reiterate before we do that, I'm going to pray here in just a second, and then we'll talk through communion, and then we'll talk about instructions, but, but I do just want to say that, that, guys, if we can feast in His presence, there's no telling what God can do with that. There's just no telling. I mean, Ephesians, we talked about before, that He'll do more than we ask or even imagine, so if we're willing to feast in His presence, we're going to have the energy like Jody didn't have to go to work. And we were made not just to graze, but to feast. And in the end, we won't have to tap out. We can finish the race, if that's the case. Let's pray. Father, uh, we thank you so much for who you are, for the truth of your word. We just thank you that we can. I mean, what an opportunity just come in your presence to enter into the unseen, to the eternal, to the place where all that energy is, because you are limitless energy for our souls. And so, Father, help us to see that. Help us to see the blueprint of Jesus that says, you know, I, I have so much to do today, I can't afford not to stop and pray. I can't afford not to withdraw and go into the unseen and be a part of the unseen kingdom and find my strength and my energy there. Because we know that that's where energy is found. It's not found in created matter, it's found in you. So Father, help us to be a people of the unseen, to fix our eyes on what is unseen. We love you very much. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to enter into a time of communion. The way we're going to do this, we've got uh, two songs on the back end. And so during this first song, if you will grab the elements, uh, there's some in the front corners and the back corners. If you'll Grab the elements, and at the end of the first song, we'll come back together, and we'll take communion together when I come back up on the stage. But I do want to say, if you're, if you're not a Christian um, this morning, I would, I would love for you to uh, 
uh, abstain from taking communion, but just consider what those next steps might be for you in your relationship with Jesus. What is holding you back from entering into a relationship? And if you'd love to talk to somebody about that, I would be honored to have that conversation. I'll be right up here at the front. And also, if you're someone here today and there's been some burdens, if, there, if you feel like maybe there's some repentance needed before taking communion, I would, I would love for you to do that as well before taking communion. But at the end of this song, we'll take it together. If you need to respond by coming to the altar or whatever you need to do to respond in that way, I'd encourage you to do that. But before we take communion, I do want to say this. We've talked about feasting on God. And the only reason we can do that is because of the sacrifice of a good brother named Jesus who loved us so much they made a way when there was no way through his blood so that we could be with the Father forever. And so during this time of worship, we want to remember what he's done. Let's pray one more time. Father, uh, we, we remember. I mean, we just remember that, that our access to you comes through the blood of Jesus. And we're so thankful. And we're so thankful. Help us to always remember and not take that for granted. We love you very much. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship. Nothing can separate 
What the good Lord brings together If you 